We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. And we couldn't get to all of your questions on the first Mailbag Podcast. So tonight, we're going to break down all the questions who couldn't, who didn't get answered, that didn't get answered, I should say, on the first podcast, and rack them all up this one. Thank you again to all of you who have taken the time to follow our podcast, to rate, review, subscribe, and download on pod, on iTunes. I'm sorry. That's all we'll ever ask from you. And we will ask that again every episode. For those of you who haven't done it, please head over to iTunes. Make sure you download every pod. Make sure you rate and review them. And follow us on Instagram, NYBigBlueBanter. Without further ado, I want to jump right into the mailbag. It's time, Nicholas. Nicholas F. Filato. It's time to dive in. So let's start with... Nicholas F. Filato? Yeah, I took a random guess on your middle <laughs> no, name. I had no. no idea what it is, and I just threw an F out there. What is it? It's Mark. Nicholas M. Dot we've, we've gone over this on the podcast. My my middle name is Mark because of Mark Bavaro. Oh, we have gone over this, yeah. but that shows how poor my memory is, actually, <laughs> of things that are not Giants or football-related. So without further ado, Nicholas M. Dot Filato, I want to ask you a question from Tom Glasspool, who is fortunate enough to get his second question in two podcasts. He got one on the first mailbag, and Tom is the only one who's also going to get one on the second mailbag podcast. Tom says, it seems like Giants fans want a wide receiver in the first round. I think I'd rather pay money to address it with a player who's a known stud rather than go through potential growing pains with a player that might need development. Is it fair to expect instant success from a rookie wide receiver? I think if it's Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, and or Jamar Chase, I think it would be fair to, to assume it, but it's not a given because we've seen wide receivers who were studs in the college realm come to the NFL and struggle so if you really want to sure it up you're gonna have to devote a buttload of money not a little money 
not a lot of money, but a buttload of money. And I don't know if the Giants are going to go in that direction, but maybe they will. I don't think it's out of the question by any means. But just to, I guess, hit on your question, is it fair to expect instant success? I think from those three, I would expect instant success, but it depends on what you define as success. Do you think Jerry Judy had a successful year this season? Because some say, yeah, he showed strides, and I think he had three touchdowns or something by the end of the season, but it wasn't the year that Justin Jefferson had, so it just depends on how you quantify success. It really does, and I think it's hard to determine where you're going to find these successful players. Justin Jefferson was taken late in the first round, and he was unbelievable in his first season of the Vikings versus Jalen Rager, who wasn't very good, and he was taken a few picks before Justin Jefferson by the Eagles. I think what Nick said, though, is ultimately the talking sticking, or I should say the sticking point for me. These three prospects, to me, feel like they're going to make an impact in year one. From Jalen Waddell's standpoint, he feels like he could be that Tyreek Hill for your offense. Devontae Smith, it's tough to come up with a comp, but he really feels like somebody, especially if you can incorporate motion into your offense, something Jason Garrett needs to do a lot more of, can be a weapon. And then finally, uh, Chase is a player who last year, he obviously sat out this 2020 season, but 2019 with Joe Burrow, man, he is a long stride smooth long striding receiver who can make up ground fast and he might ultimately be my number one when all is said and done I still haven't really evaluated this class but I'm really excited to get into all three um so I think normally to answer your question Tom it is fair to say that you should sometimes expect development from rookies you can't expect them to jump in and immediately be a number one receiver or a number one player at said position but with this specific class and these three prospects I think you can expect it and even guys like Kadarius Tony from Florida, who I actually have done some film work on, and the kid's incredibly explosive. He's like a lightning bolt to watch. He's very, very fun, a little bit raw in some of the more nuanced ways, but the way Florida used him kind of as a Curtis Samuel, even a Percy Harvin type of role, he excelled there, and I think he's going to be an excellent gadget for an offensive coordinator. I think Terrence Marshall Jr. from LSU and Rashad Bateman from Minnesota are guys who may go later in the first round, could possibly slide to day two, depending on all the things that still have to happen. Chris Olave, Rondell Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, there's a lot of receivers. This is just as stacked as last year's class. So you can get somebody with that second round pick if you do not address it in the first round. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Matt Rumsey asks, do you think the Giants will address wide receiver in free agency or the draft? Which do you prefer? Which do I prefer? I, I honestly would, I think, prefer getting Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, but you have to get creative with the cap. And I'm not 100% sure how they're going to do that because we still want to sign Leonard Williams, we still want to bring Dalvin Tomlinson back on the franchise tag or possibly sign him. So there's a lot of different decisions that need to be made, and those decisions are kind of weighed off of each other. So it's it's hard to exactly address it, but in an ideal world, what would I want to do? I'd want to get an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay. Probably Allen Robinson would be my first choice. Yeah, I think there's a lot of options. I think do I think the Giants will address receiver infrequency? I do. But I think it's possible that they let the market play itself out. It's gonna be a depressed market, it's gonna be a buyer's market with the cap either not either not going up by anything or going down potentially with COVID impact. And you could get somebody on a one-year deal like a Curtis Samuel, and then you can give yourself the flexibility once you get to the draft to still be able to draft that wide receiver because you didn't spend all that money in free agency. I think it really depends ultimately on what route they decide to go on free agency. There's also right tackles who I think interest the Giants, edge guys who could interest the Giants, and maybe even a cornerback who could interest the Giants once we get to see who's franchise tagged, who's not, who's resigned, who's not. So Right now, it's too too early to say, but I think we know one thing for sure. The Giants are going to address this wide receiver position without a doubt. Okay, Elliot Ruth asks, how confident are you guys in Jason Garrett evolving his offense over the offseason? 
Depends on what you mean by evolving Elliot. I believe he's going to look in the mirror. I believe he's going to look at how the weapons had success, the things Daniel Jones had success with. He has much more than one week to go over all this. He has the entire offseason, and I think he'll build upon that. But I don't think he's going to come out and just be Andy Reid out of nowhere. He's still going to be the same principles that Jason Garrett has. He's going to be a lot of tight ends. It's going to be a lot of power gap, which we like, but you want to see a more imaginative passing attack and I'm not 100% confident we'll see that we might see better use of the weapons that he has I think that's fair to say but I don't think it's just going to automatically change and it'll be a totally different coordinator from a passing standpoint in one season I don't think there's uh, my confidence level is not very high in Jason Garrett evolving, if that's the right word, this offseason. I think there's a lot of evidence suggesting from his Dallas Cowboys games that he just doesn't, I'm sorry, his Dallas Cowboys years, he didn't evolve at all. The offense remained the same to the point where in 2019, even though Jerry Jones is deeply in love with Jason Garrett as a human being, he had to look him in the eye and say, we're turning this offense over to Kellen Moore. It's going to be his system. He's going to be able to run it his way, and he's going to be able to call the plays. And Garrett had to accept that pill in his final season as the Cowboys coach. And there's no co- it's no surprise to me, or at least should not much. It doesn't seem like much of a coincidence to me that the Cowboys' offense completely took off in 2019 when Garrett was stripped of his coordinator, stripped of his play calling duties, and they used a system that was very different than the one Garrett had implemented there for years. And ultimately, I'm you obviously know I'm not a huge fan of Garrett, but I think the good news, and if you're looking for kind of the bright silver lining here, it's that what Joe Judge said in his WFAN interview. I don't think he was saying that. And, you know, I don't think that should be taken with a grain of salt. I think he meant what he said. They're going to do self-scouting of the coaching, and Judge and Garrett are going to get together, and Judge is going to take a look at that film, and they're going to come up with different ways to improve his system. I don't think you're going to see a brand new system from Garrett. I don't think you're going to see completely different things that you saw this season. I don't think it's going to, we're going to look at it and be like, oh, wow, this is nothing like what we saw in 2020. I think it's going to be similar, but I think hopefully he'll be able to improve some of his deficiencies and flaws, not only within his system, but as a play caller. I think that's fair to say. Hopefully, we do see something somewhat different, but I do believe it, it's still Jason Garrett who's going to be doing a thing. Guy's been doing this for a very long time, so we can't overlook that fact. Dan, so who asks this? Dan the movie asks, who are some linebackers you'd like to see the Giants take a look at in free agency so we never have to see Mayo or Downs start a game in 2021? <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to see Mayo or Downs in the field. I actually took a look over the free agent market. I think this is a very weak off-ball linebacker market for free agency, so I actually don't have any free agents I would personally pursue, which is rare. But here's what I would say. Not only is this based on the market, Dan, but also based on my personal opinion of what the Giants can do because they because they run such a unique system on defense that is not really shared by too many teams. The Patriots run a similar system. The Ravens run a similar system. The Dolphins run a similar system. Not too many other teams are running this kind of system. It gives the Giants an advantage when it comes to scouting second-level players for this specific defense in the draft. If you look at this draft, the Giants had a lot of opportunities to find second-level players, and they might have had a hit when they found, comes to Tay Crowder in the late rounds. They kind of think it looks like they may have found something in Cam Brown, who I'm actually still very excited about as a prospect. He was very raw this year, but he flashed in key moments. And the same could go for Carter Coughlin. So I think because their system is so unique, they could actually find guys that could fit their specific system via the draft, who may not be rated so highly on other teams' draft boards, but for the Giants are a much better value because they're a system fit. 
Yeah, and I think if they add anything at linebacker and free agency, it would be someone like Vince Beagle who played with Patrick Graham in Miami, and it's going to be at a very, very low Kyler Fackrell type of deal. So I don't really think they're going to look to upgrade that in free agency per se. Maybe they'll take another kick at the can in the draft, but they just did that, and they seem to like a lot of the guys that they got. Now you progress them, you develop them, you coach them up and see if they can actually be long-term players on this roster. Yeah, okay. Try it. Try it. This is going to be tough. (laughs) I'm just going to call you Uchi or Uche. I think it's Uche Chukwu. Uche Chukwu, my bad man. I do apologize. I tried my hardest. I talked about this with Nick before the pod. I'm like, I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to try my best to get the pronunciation right. But you're from Yonkers, and I love that because every time I think of Yonkers, for some reason, I think of Jadakiss and Styles P. I don't know why. I don't even think they were originally. I think they're from Yonkers, but I don't know why. It makes me think of the locks. But. Uche, I'm going to call you just because it's easier. I can actually pronounce that. Says, do you think the successes of Leo, Blake, and Bradbury combined with judges' comments on the Eagles will actually attract free agents to join the Giants? I think the culture is, is definitely a positive towards that, but I don't think like these, these guys are looking to get paid. They're going to go to the place where the most money is thrown at them. And that's New York. That's New York. If it's not, it's not. New York is unfortunately, and New Jersey is a state with a high income tax and high state tax so that's definitely something that deters people from going there it's not texas it's not florida it's not nevada it's not tennessee so i I don't put much stock into it yeah i don't think that ultimately these decisions are based on you know a player saying oh i like what i'm seeing with the giants let's go there I, i like the culture they're trying to build I think it helps. I think more importantly, when they walk through that building and they see the Super Bowls and they see how that whole building is designed at one Giants way, it is a very good feeling when you walk through there. They're Giants at one point now. They haven't been for a very long time. Since 2011, they've been one of the worst franchises in the NFL when it comes to wins and losses. It sucks to say, but it's the damn truth, sadly. I hope it changes just as much as you do. But overall, historically, they're one of the best franchises. They have four Super Bowl rings. They've competed for multiple championships before the merger. And so when you walk through that building, it does give you that feeling. And we've heard players talk about this, players who have joined the team, players who have come from other teams. And I think from that standpoint, it helps. But ultimately, these players are looking to maximize their career earnings, as they should, because it's NFL, not for long league. They all know that. And also, sometimes these deals are signed because of the system, because a player wants to join a specific coach because he feels like that coach can maximize his skill set for his next contract. So I think ultimately those are the two deciding factors. I agree. Muhammad Gacha says, and I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, Muhammad, (laughs) regardless of your viewpoint on cap space, Dan's point of view is well documented, what free agents could the Giants reasonably sign this offseason, assuming Solder, Tate, Toilolo, and other obvious players are cut? I am not so sure Solder will be cut, and I'm not so sure Solder should be cut, to be honest. I still think maybe with a year healthy, he could come in and be something on the right side if they don't, if they don't bring back Cam Fleming and Matt Parrott still kind of shows a lot of the inconsistencies he showed down the stretch so i'm not 100 percent sure about solder toy lolo i could see that going down i think golden tate is probably for sure a goner i think zeitler could also be thrown into this but what free agents could the giants reasonably sign you're gonna have to get creative with those wide receivers i would say i don't know if they're gonna look at someone like matt judon and pour that much money into him because he's looking to get paid i want to say he's 28 years old he just got done playing on the franchise tag he's probably looking for one of those massive type contracts 
So I don't necessarily know if the Giants are going to go in that direction if it's not a wide receiver and bring someone in after having the offseason they just had last year. Yeah, I think to start, Mohamed, yeah, my point of view on the cap is probably well documented, but just so everybody is aware, I don't think the cap is any sort of myth. I know I once said that as an exaggeration to make a point. The cap is there. I just feel like it's a lot more of a soft salary cap than the hard salary cap some people think it is. When people say, like, the Giants have $17.2 million in cap space, and if they do this and this and this, they have 26.8. I used to be one of those people who used to do that. I still see a lot of Giants, like, content people writing specific numbers in cap. It's impossible to take that seriously because I know, based on how these teams have operated the cap, that it's a fluid number. It's not a set number. You can dip into future years and create more space, which teams do often, a lot. And especially those teams who are competing to win now and trying to win in that moment. Those teams, more than any, dip into future cap to try to create more space for them now. And you could do it with contract restructures, signing bonus, things of that nature. Now, as far as free agency goes, I think it's reasonable to expect the Giants to be very aggressive in free agency. Throughout Gettleman's tenure, the Giants have been very aggressive in free agency. They started off with a super aggressive class in 2018, and then even last year, a year people thought they would be a lot less aggressive. They went out and got Bradbury, tried to get Byron Jones. I heard they were the second team in that running for Byron Jones, and ultimately he went with Miami because a lot to do with what Nick said, no state income tax. And then they also went out and got Blake Martinez. So I think they're in a healthy cap position long term. They don't have too much future cap tied to contracts past 2022. And so with all that said, I think it's reasonable to expect them to be pretty aggressive this offseason free agency. As far as the other guys go, I kind of tend to agree with Nick. Solder is far from an obvious cut. Because he opted out, his contract actually toils over into 2021 season. This is not a good situation for the Giants. It toy Lolo's over. It definitely does. It toy Lolo's over into the next season. That's correct. I mean, this is not a good situation for the Giants. Nate Solder's going to be 33 years old. That's not good. He already looked like he was losing a lot of flexibility and bend in those last two years it they took a swing on a free agent contract that didn't work out but if they were to cut him there's 10.5 million in dead cap so ultimately you're saving just six million so you have to ask yourself what's better for the giants to pay to free up to pay 10.5 million for soldier not to be on the roster and to free up six million or to keep him i don't really think they're going to be able to find a tackle who's better than soldier for six million so with that said i think ultimately the better decision will be to keep him and hope that he can be that right tackle if parrot isn't ready to be that guy i don't know if he can be that guy for a multitude of reasons but i think it gives them a better chance in trying to test that free agent market it is so hard to find a capable offensive tackle on the free agent market unless you're going to go the jack conklin route or you know this offseason would be the taylor moden route and pay big bucks for that free agent if you're not going to pay you're going to have more times than not end up with a cameron fleming and i got to be honest with you fleming is probably the like <laughs> the higher end of the scale from variance is what you're going to get like you could get a lot worse than what fleming gave the giants this year and it happens all the times often to teams year after year who need tackles to start right away and go the free agent route and don't spend big bucks they end up getting these guys on one-year deals who are disasters so ultimately i don't think i, I think i would agree with nick on that one also i think a lot of this cap space and a lot of this money is going to end up being allocated to people who were giants in 2020 like the impending free agents especially leonard williams and we'll see what happens with dalvin tomlinson adam zenzar says do you consider Corey davis a number one wide receiver if he is signed by the giants also can godwin play outside yeah so davis is an interesting one i certainly consider him a number one when he was coming out of the draft it's well documented i've said it before he was one of my favorite prospects in that class i thought he was going to tear up the nfl level 
with Davis, you have to kind of try to separate how much of his lack of production has to do with the offensive system he was in, a very run-heavy system, the players he played around, A.J. Brown, or him, his ability to create separation, his ability to make plays after the catch, or I should say in some spots, his lack of ability, and more importantly, his lack of ability to stay healthy throughout his career. Even this year, it appears during, during the stretch run of the season, he was dealing with kind of an undisclosed injury that he was playing through. Davis had a lot of injuries throughout his career in the NFL, so I am starting to lean against Davis as a number one. I would be intrigued if his market is very quiet, which I think is possible. I'd be intrigued by taking him on a one-year flyer deal and then giving them the flexibility to also draft that position. And then as far as Godwin goes, he did play the outside last. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed season a lot more um when the when the bucks had james winston in there and they used mike evans in the slot a good amount he mixed and matched there i think godwin can play on the outside as do i godwin's a very talented player despite the fact that he dropped like every football that was thrown to him last week he's a very talented football player and i agree with i don't believe Corey davis is a number one wide receiver i want number one wide receivers to go tip for tap with some of the top cornerbacks in the league and Corey davis hasn't shown me that quite yet other than the fact that New England game when he went up against Stefan Gilmore he had two touchdowns in the playoffs like two or three years ago all right our next question is from listener and fan of the show X penguin before we do that we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help you even more with a credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits credit karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. 
Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Penguin asks us, is Matt Parrott able to start at right tackle next year, or do we need to find help there? If we get a stud wide receiver in the draft or free agency, what would you do with number 87 in our offense next year? Also, what do we do about tight end? About tight end, I think the Giants could realistically invest something in a tight end position. I don't think that's out of the question. Maybe a later draft pick, if they could find somebody like a Harrison Bryant from last year, who was a little bit more of a receiver, but he can block. But I'm not going to go into specific uh players quite yet as for Matt Parrott can he start up right tackle next year I think he can but you're gonna have to feel confident about that you're going into the third year with Daniel Jones you need to make sure you protect this guy he's shown a propensity to be injured and we saw the offense struggle when the offensive line like any offense sucked so I think he can but uh from what we've seen on film I'm not 100% confident in that quite yet yeah I think as far as tight end positions I'll start unpacking there I've been well-documented, at least on the last podcast, as saying, at this point, I think Evan Ingram is more athlete than football player, and he should be reduced to a bit role in this offense, unfortunately. Either that, or they need to retool their system and have him running a lot of verticals, all game up the seam, and then have him also running flags, just have him running a different route tree. It's one of the two things needs to happen, though, with Ingram. He needs to either be off the field, and those snaps need to be given to Caden Smith, because ultimately, the goal for this offense, they better be thinking, is add a receiver either through like you said through the draft or free agency and then become an 11 personnel team primarily they can't continue with this 12 and 13 and 21 stuff it's fun it's nice it's gimmicky it works sometimes you get some fun cool plays out of it you're not going to win in the nfl if you're stuck in 12 and 13 and 21 you're just not it's just not enough point you're not scoring enough points you're not making enough big plays and everything is too close in there's not enough spacing so i do believe ultimately this offense would be better with kid and smith taking a majority of those of those snaps and 11 personnel and for those who don't know 11 means one tight end on the field three receivers and one running back and I do believe that should be Smith at times as for 87 in our offense Sterling Shepard I believe Nick and I have also said it a lot and we'll say it again we like him best when he's in the slot I think adding a wide receiver via free agency or the draft will allow him to get back into the slot full time like he was in 2018 in his early seasons and then finally with Matt Parrott I think that he was ultimately a lot rawer than I rawer than I expected him to be in his rookie season. I know he came in with that billing, but I thought we would see a lot better from Parrott, especially down the stretch run. He had that really disastrous series against the Ravens that was really eye-opening, I think. I think after that, the Giants didn't give him another snap on offense the rest of the season, which is a pretty telling sign. Obviously, it was only one more game, but still not a great sign. At this stage, I don't feel too comfortable putting him out there to start week one. I, again, I still don't have, like, 
you know, fans and even analysts, when, when you draft a player, it's easy to get very excited about him. You see all the upside in that player. Parrott's one of them. But I think we all have to take a step back and just consider this guy was a late third round draft pick at a position that has a huge bust rate, is really hard to transition to from the college level. And I still have all the hope in the world that Parrott, because of that upside ceiling that I see in him, can become their future right tackle. But as far as 2021 goes, I think they seriously need to consider adding talent at that position. Yes, an 87 in the slot for sure. All right, Dominic Chaija, is that how you would say that? No, it's never how you would say that. Come on, this has got to be an Italiano, and you can't well, even... Well, see, an Italian is... Ch- Kagia, this has to be Kagia. Well, if it were speaking... C-A-G-G-I-A? If we're speaking real Italian, it what would did be you a say? Ch- for- First of all, what did you say? I said Chaja. Chaja? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's definitely not right. It's probably an American. It's probably Kaja. Kaja. I bet it's Kaja. Yeah, for sure. But in Italian, it would be ch- it would be a chess sound, I'm imagining. Unless Kaja. that's a double unless that's a double C. <laughs> it's hard to tell, but it's definitely not Chaja. Well, it's definitely not that in American, for <laughs> sure. Anyways, I am not showing my great Italian colors despite the fact that I'm almost hundred percent Italian. It or is so he says. <laughs> I don't really look it, to be honest. <laughs> looks Middle Eastern. I look for a those very Middle Eastern looking person. It is obvious. It is obvious we'll I think he's meaning to say it is obvious we will sign or draft a wide receiver, but can they rely on one they draft to be a number one next year? We've kind of touched on this yeah. a little bit, Dominic, uh here and there. I I think if it's Waddle Smith or or homeboy from LSU, Jamar Chase. I think you can definitely rely on that. But And even some of the other guys. I'm not ruling them out. I haven't really gotten my eyes on their tape yet. I hear a lot of good things about guys like Rondell Moore, uh, like Tony from Florida, like the Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, all those kind of guys. But yes, I, I, think, it, I think it would, if they do draft a wide receiver at 11, I think they could be the number one wide receiver on this team. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, Kurt asks, suppose someone responded to your criticism of Garrett's approach, by pointing to real bad pass protection, including a large number of quick sacks, no legit game breakers, what would be your reply to such a response in addition to pointing to, e.g., what Chargers were able to do? I think there's merit to that response, to be honest. I think if Jason Garrett wants to run a lot of five-step, even seven-step concepts, which you don't see as much, so a lot more five-step, maybe shotgun, three-step type concepts, you need, especially out of shotgun, you need those tackles to be able to block. And if they're not, then you're not going to be able to run those concepts. So I do believe there is merit to that argument. Now, the Chargers were able to debunk that. I also think Justin Herbert is a much different player than Daniel Jones, and that has to be weighed into it as well. But I would I would agree that the pass protection being bad definitely did not assist Jason Garrett. It wouldn't assist any offensive coordinator, to be honest. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. But at the same time, remember, we have to consider the Giants' pass protection was much worse in 2019 with Pat Shermer's offense. And Pat Shermer's offense generated a lot more production in the passing game. So it's tough for me when I factor that in to really give him that excuse. I think ultimately there there's a lot of excuses that can be made. For me, the least excuses I heard, the, least, the ones that resonate the least with me would be the Garrett excuses. Okay, Columbus, who wants Nick to know that he is the quote-unquote doofus from Twitter. Whatever that means, inside joke with Nick. Columbus, you're the man. There you go. Doofus, that is a great term. It should be used more often. It's the perfect blend of silliness while also being disrespectful to somebody. (laughs) Doofus. I like doofus. Um, Jordan, he says, Jordan Palmer worked with Josh Allen in the offseason. Allen was known as all-arm, no-touch accuracy. Now he's up to a 69% completion rate. Do you think DJ should skip the same old 
David, uh, I'm sorry, Duke Cutcliffe visit and seek out Palmer's teaching, do you think that he could potentially unlock DJ? I think D- Daniel Jones shows touch and accuracy. I don't think that's his biggest issue. So I would go with whatever he feels comfortable with. If that's with Duke and David Cutcliffe and kind of revisiting those things and continue to work on those things, get different reps, work with the new receivers that he has, and just getting comfortable in Jason Garrett's system and what Jason Garrett wants to do, working on those reps throughout the throughout the time he's working in the offseason. I say he just keeps doing that and doesn't necessarily stray away if that's what makes him comfortable. If he feels like, hey, I've kind of used out all the resources here. I'm looking for someone else. I mean, we've heard so many great things about Jordan Palmer and what he's been able to do with several different types of quarterbacks. But when I look at Daniel Jones, it's not necessarily a touch or an accuracy issue with him. That's not something that I see too much with his film. Sometimes more it's in his head. It's pulling the trigger on certain on certain route concepts that we see or certain times where there's a window to throw and he doesn't throw the football. I don't think that's something that's overly consistent, but it's something that we've definitely brought up on the podcast as well. Yeah, I think just to take that a step further, I would say that from upper body mechanics standpoint, which I think is the main area Palmer got to work with and really helped to improve Allen's game, Jones is already there. His upper body mechanics are really impressive, and that is in large part due to you know his work with Cutcliffe and then his continued practice in that area. I think he can stand to improve from a footwork standpoint if that's something that Palmer specifically did to work with Allen. From what I've read from Allen, it's mostly upper body stuff that he's worked with him. But if there is some lower body stuff of footwork, it might be a way to improve his game. I think ultimately for me with Daniel Jones, the biggest issue there would have to be the fact that he still doesn't process that well in my opinion or at least not at the level that will allow him to kind of create and unlock big plays that aren't there for every quarterback and aren't there for that long for every quarterback should say things that like Nick said they're windows that he has to see really fast and throw the ball into and make the decision to pull the trigger really fast and for me more of more of what Jones needs to improve on is up there mental than it is physical Um, so ultimately while this could help potentially if it helps his footwork there's other work that needs to be done with Jones and it, and it comes to study and it comes to kind of just more practice reps and more game reps. Okie dokie. Alex John from Instagram asks, which free agent wide receiver is more appealing based on value and potential? So we have two things to analyze here. Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, or Corey Davis? Interesting question. So I'm still going to go with throw out the value I want Allen Robinson you're not saving much money in my opinion on any of these guys except for Corey Davis who we already went over all the other three are going to get similar contracts I think with Robinson getting the biggest I'm just a big fan of Allen Robinson when I watch his tape and when I watch the clips people put up and some of the film work that people have taken the time to do that I've been lucky enough to watch I see a receiver who's elite legitimately elite at the catch point he does not drop a single pass elite in contested catch situations elite at body in adjusting his body to make ca- catches on throws that are not exactly perfectly accurate and then really good in his releases off the line of scrimmage and his specific route running via his footwork so i think what he offers the giants is actually exactly what this offense needs there's a lot of talk of the giants needing speed and i understand that to an extent but what i really think they need especially if they're going to go forward with this garrett offense it's going to continue to have these like one-on-one situations where it's kind of just man coverage one-on-one the one backside that jones is able to locate quickly and throw up a ball that's not always going to be into some kind of perfect window where a guy's running wide open it's going to be into a window where a guy needs to make a contested catch situation we saw it happen a lot in the 2020 film and a lot of times more times than not 
the receivings that they have were not able to come down with these contested catch situations. They aren't easy throws to catch, but somebody like Allen Robinson makes them look routine. And because of that, he's still the guy. And I think Galladay has a little bit in that game too. So I would probably go A-Rob, Galladay, Godwin, Davis in that order. And I think even based on value, that's still my order. I would say the same thing, to be honest. Not to be redundant, but that's my exact order as well. The thing about Galladay is he spent basically this entire season unhealthy with multiple different injuries and that kind of does give me pause but he would add that vertical stretch element and a player similar to Allen Robinson who's incredibly good at the catch point very physical at the catch point very good at adjusting his body he has all those elements he's just definitely more vertical than Allen Robinson but Jason Garrett's offense especially running a lot of those quick route concepts I think Allen Robinson would be excellent winning at the line of scrimmage and getting open yeah he does it all for them in this specific system Okay, Just Some Dude asks, would you guys consider Anthony Lynn, recently fired Chargers head coach, to be an upgrade to Garrett as the offense coordinator? Is there anyone else out there who you think could be? We touched on this question, but we didn't bring up Anthony Lynn last podcast. I honestly don't know much about Anthony Lynn's specific offense, so I do think it would be a little disingenuous if I weighed in here. Do you know much about it? I just know that he was able. he's done a really good job in his past of, of unlocking running games. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like the Giants have already taken a big positive step in that direction, and really what they need to do now is unlock the passing game, find a way to do that. So ultimately, Lynn isn't a guy who has me excited when you mention him, uh, just some dude. For me right now, I, I'm not getting too excited, and I'm not working too hard on researching coordinators because I don't think the Giants are making any kind of move there. I think they're going forward with Garrett. So I think ultimately we can talk in circles about this, but it may be not pointless, but just maybe not as fruitful as discussing ways Garrett can improve this offense, because until we get any sign that Garrett won't be back, it feels like, you know, it's very likely he will be. And if we do get a sign that Jason Garrett accepts the job with the Chargers or goes somewhere, Dan and I will dive into all of these potential candidates and give a nice list for everybody. For sure. Ahmed Etrebi, I believe it's how it's pronounced. Anybody criticizing? No, no. <laughs> Are those guys from the Muppets up in the freaking balcony yelling down at me? I don't know. If the Giants draft Kyle Pitts, I guess it means Evan Ingram will be traded, right? And who do you think the wide receiver Giants will target in free agency since Allen Robinson will be the number one target for all teams? And so I guess Gettleman will target the second best option like Bradbury. I, I wouldn't necessarily make that uh, that parallel. Ahmed, I really wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I think he would target Allen Robinson if he is looking to spend big on the wide receiver position, which we're not 100% sure. But in this scenario, Kenny Galladay would be that number two that you're looking for. And if the Giants do draft Pitts, I don't believe Evan Ingram will necessarily be traded. There's one more year on his contract, that fifth-year option that was picked up, and I think they could both coexist on the offense. Yeah, I would answer the question very similar to Nick. I would say Keep an eye, though, on some of the lower, not not the less, I, I'm trying to think of the right word here, the less ballyhooed receivers, the guys like Curtis Samuel, the guys like Corey Davis, even some of the lesser known guys on that wide receiver market who will some become, you're going to end up seeing some guy get a deal. Remember, every offseason, there's one receiver deal that everybody's like, what? A couple years ago, it was Adam Humphreys, who somehow got a massive deal with the T- T- Tennessee Titans after a really surprisingly not so great, you know, career with the Bucks. And we've seen it with Paul Richardson in the past, who came from Seattle, signed with Washington. So I think ultimately there might be a couple of those guys who kind of come into the picture as well. Even a guy like Will Fuller who had a career year 
and obviously then got busted for steroids, but had a career year and looked like that vertical stretcher who you want on your offense, he could end up being in the mix for a team as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these names talked about with the Giants. I think it just depends on their scouting, what they feel like this offense needs, if they feel like they need speed on the on the perimeter or that contested catch guy. As far as Ingram and Pitts goes, if the Giants do select Kyle Pitts, they likely just do so because they deem him to be the best football player and receiver at that time. Kyle Pitts, to me, may be listed as a tight end, but I think you could line him up at receiver and he'd be amazing. I really love to watch that kid play football. I think he's excellent. And if they do draft him, I don't think they'll trade Ingram. I don't think there's a market to trade Ingram right now at all whatsoever. I think they have him going into a contract year, so that gives even less incentive to trade him. I think ultimately, if they draft Pitts, they'll have some 12 personnel packages with Ingram and Pitts, but ultimately, one of those two guys won't be on the field for a majority of the snaps. You can have 12 personnel packages, line up two by two, and anytime they're in the middle of the field closed type of defense, whether that be cover one or cover three, but especially cover three, you just run both those guys up the yeah. seams. And you run both those guys up the seams and say, ha, pick it, safety. Daniel Jones looks to the left, he hits Ingram to the right. He looks to the right, he hits Pitts to the left. And you can really put a lot of defenses into conflict by doing that because they are such mismatch nightmares. But as we've seen with Evan Ingram, he's a mismatch nightmare, but he's also a nightmare in many ways for the Giants because he can't hold on to the damn football. No doubt about it. All right, that's all the questions we have for the second part of the mailbag. Stay locked and loaded with the Big Blue Banter podcast. As the offseason rolls on and there's more news, we will be hitting all news, breaking news podcasts we're going to try to do, as well as recaps of the big news. And then we're going to get into some free agent stuff. We're going to get into free agent targets. We're going to discuss Giants free agent plan and a lot more. So stay tuned, stay locked and loaded, and have a great rest of your week.